You are listening to the acclaimed Professional by Choice podcast that is going to prepare you for the competitive professional world. Just like any sport, being a professional takes time, effort, practice, and commitment. With rigorous training and focus, you will know what it takes to be a professional. And now presenting your host, Hailing from East Chicago, Indiana, the man, the marine, the legend, the all-knowing master of the professional routine, Chris Molina. Well, welcome to another episode of the Professional by Choice podcast. Today's guest is Robert Juden. Rob is currently the Director of Marketing and Creative Media for the Draft Network, also known as football's 33rd front office, and it's a hybrid sports media and football scouting company. After graduating from the University of Florida with two bachelor's degrees in uh, journalism and sports management, he made stops at uh, Charlotte Hornets, Chicago Sky, Campus Insiders, the University of Notre Dame, Oregon State University, and the University of Miami. Robert, welcome to the PBC Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm excited to spend time with you and to talk about the few things that we agreed to talk about. But first, I just want to ask, how was your day? You know, it's a, it's a pretty normal day for me. Um, lots of uh, off-season work for, for the Draft Network. Of course, football and social media are, are 24-7, 365. Sure. But, uh, you know, outside of that, we got some, some big things planned for, for year three of the Draft Network. And uh, we're just kind of gearing up for that. Yeah, that, that kind of goes into my next question. So before we get into your story and the few questions that I have, do you have any current or upcoming projects or life events that you're excited about that you don't mind sharing with us today? Yeah, so my wife is actually a few weeks away from, from giving birth to our, our second child. Uh, our Congratulations. Second daughter, actually. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the quote-unquote vacation, um, <laughs> which is just basically lack of sleep that's on you know yep. that is on, on the horizon for me so um but no i mean we're, we're pretty excited um of course we're, we're out here in las vegas so it's uh super hot and uh trying to stay cool while also keep keeping our wits about us uh, <laughs> yep but yeah yeah um so um you and i met on an airplane and yeah. uh we had a conversation all the way from nevada to indiana um and from that conversation, it seems to me, at least, that you found your dream job or at least something very close to it because your current role and your current company seems to align extremely well with the two degrees that you graduated sure. with. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, it's, it's ironic because my best friend and I, who's now my, my coworker here at the Draft Network, we, mm -hmm. you know, we went to the University of Florida together and... Uh, Spent a lot of late nights in the in, in the newsroom there, and <laughs> you know he is a NFL draft nut like myself, and we used to dream about about one day working for a company that could just dedicate you know all of its time and energy into the NFL draft and scouting prospects. And you know while while I was off trying to become an NFL general manager, which you know spoiler alert didn't happen. <laughs> not not uh, yet, right? <laughs> Yeah, not, not yet. Uh, you know, he he was he was pretty busy making connections and and help get the draft network up off the ground. And so, thankful to him for you know putting in that work because this is easily you know far and wide the the best and most comfortable, most fruitful job I've, I've ever had. And it doesn't even really feel like like a job at times because uh, you know I, I get to get to watch football. So, um, but no, it's it's. If, if there is such a thing as, as, as a dream job, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely in the realm. Yeah. The, uh, I think that is so awesome to hear that you have that passion that sometimes your work doesn't even feel like work because um, not a lot of people ever get to experience that in their life. Not once. Um, so my question, my first question to you is why, um, why have you chosen to dedicate so much of your life to sports and to media? Sure. Well, you know, it's, it's fairly simple. My dad was a, a auto mechanic my entire life. And, you know, he stressed to me the importance of, of education, but, but more so the importance of uh, working with my brain and instead of my, my hands. And it's always been an underlying tone for me, you know, no matter 
whether it was high school or college or, or you know, out, out in, in the real world. Um, mm-hmm. And I was always very naturally aligned with, with writing and storytelling. And it was always the kind of thing where my relatives, grandfather, would always tell me that I should go work for ESPN one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing just you know, came very naturally to me. And as I was at UF, you know, I, I developed some, some other interests. Uh, football was always number one, but, you know, I got into graphic design and, and taught myself that. And so, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get two bachelor's degrees from the University of Florida uh, in just just under five years, uh, one in journalism, one in sport management. And, you know, off the bat, the, the idea was to turn myself into a Swiss Army knife so that uh, you know, no NFL team could say no to me. You sure. know, where I I could do pretty much anything that that they had asked me to at at any given point. And so, um, obviously, you know, I I learned more uh, as I got in, into the field, and you know, would would have done some things differently to to go down a football operations path. But I, I can't say that I'm not glad that I did what I did because the the draft network has a very bright future. I'm very excited and proud to be. Uh, part of, of the family and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by some very bright very dedicated people um, mm-hmm. and who, who all share the same passion you know we just love football yeah. so yeah yeah so I think you kind of touched on why you went the path of uh, of going to college and getting your degree and then sticking with the degrees that you received but what was it what or what is it about football specifically um, that, that that makes you want to st- stay with that. And then um, same thing with media. Yeah, well, you know, with football, I think it's this kind of thing that, uh, you know, I, I miss putting the pads on every day. Sure. Um, playing high school football, those are some of the best days of my life, having that camaraderie, that, sure. that brotherhood, um, that closeness, knowing that the guy next to you is going to do his job and he's trusting you to do your job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of thing that I always really looked for um, and wanted to be a part of whatever culture I, I went into uh, throughout life. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's the reason why I, why I tried to join a fraternity when I first got to, to Gainesville and then quickly sure. realized that it was, it was pretty hollow and, and not the same <laughs> thing at all, uh, which is why I dropped like a, a month later. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's that, it's that, um, continuous search for that type of feeling that that type of unconditional bond friendship connection um that uh, that's kind of kept football as a part of my life in, mm-hmm. in that in that grand of a capacity yeah um and then in terms of media you know i i just love content <laughs> um <laughs> No, I'm not superhuman. Like I, I need breaks from from social media as much as the, the next person. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was the kid that uh, instead of watching Cartoon Network, I was watching the reruns of the reruns of Sports Center. And, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I grew up on Stuart Scott, man. Yeah, cool same the other side of Yeah, cool as the other side of the pillow. Uh, oh, yeah. I grew up on Rich Eisen and, and Dan Patrick, and uh, you know, baseball tonight, um, NFL <laughs> Live. Like I. I would watch ESPN news around the clock, like it was CNN. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, my, my friends growing up would make fun of me and, and any coworkers <laughs> that I ever had prior to the draft and everything made fun of me because I, I became the guy that knew where every player in the NFL went to school. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, Terrell Owens, Tennessee Chattanooga. Like, like I just, because uh, and I think I told you this on, on our, our, uh, flight from Las Vegas to Indy, but uh, I have not missed an NFL draft pick since I was eight years old. You mentioned so, that. Yeah. Every, every year since 2000, I've sat down for all three days uh, and watched every single pick. Um, and of course, as, as technology grew, you know, and I had to go get food or whatever, I, I would stream it all on my phone. So um, I have made it a point to, you know, keep that tradition alive. And it's actually, pretty beneficial that's part of my job now so yeah um the wife can't can't really say much when i have to earn a paycheck and watch <laughs> watch the nfl draft so <laughs> that's funny no i i really do like that guess i i think the the camaraderie what you're talking about that is a very human thing right right and then the media part of it maybe that is your way of connecting even more to it and then 
with your job, you are able to connect that with other people that are searching sure. that exact same feeling. So yeah, I really love those, those, those answers. So that's awesome. I'm glad I, I revisited that. <laughs> um, so the first, so there are three things that I want to talk about today that, uh, that, that um, I think are interesting and that's sports marketing and sports media and mm -hmm. personal branding. So starting with sports marketing for those of us that um, barely just understand those two words by definition and don't really know too much about it. Can you explain what it is? What is sports marketing? And then maybe some misconceptions sure. about it. Sure. Well, I think people like, like to make things more complicated than, than they have to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And in, in, reality all three of those topics kind of tie together um, mm -hmm. in in 2020 in, in modern day um they, they used to be a, a little bit more siloed but you know now the, the partitions have to come down and, and then and there has to be uh, there, there has to be like cross integration of, of platforms with mm -hmm. social media and so but in terms of, of sports marketing in, in general you know it's it's really just no different storytelling mixed with providing service um mm -hmm. you know like when i when i was at notre dame i i really had no quote-unquote marketing experience prior to, to getting there and here i am you know I, I was an intern and they gave me five teams five like you know division one notre dame athletic teams and i had to from scratch build a you know marketing plan mm -hmm. um I, I knew nothing about about south bend or, or their <laughs> or their audience or you know what what their fans were like um but you know, I, I learned a lot. You know, it's and the the reality of it is, marketing in general is just finding a problem, and then dedicating yourself to providing a solution for that problem. Okay. Right. It's it's what it's what you know. What uh, service are you looking to provide for somebody to to solve their problem? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's if if you try and and market for yourself or or market for financial gain or you know any kind of selfish reasoning you're going to have a hard time mm -hmm. um you've you've got to take the approach that you're looking to provide something for, for somebody else mm -hmm. now granted you know you you look for a uh, monetary uh, uh compensation you know for for, for those services <laughs> but uh but the, the the mindset has to be that you're looking to provide something for, for somebody you know whether mm -hmm. it's the 75 year old woman who loves to watch fighting irish basketball and you know as a, as a season ticket holder you want to provide a, a solid experience for her and and you know reach her on the the medium or the platform that she's used to to being reached and and will you know be uh can can help form a connection through uh yeah. it's just it's finding ways to solve problems for for people in yeah. terms of and in this in this uh case you know through through sports yeah no, so, so uh, all it is Maybe you were going to touch on it before I just uh, um, butted in a little bit, but what problem do you solve with sports media? Is it just the problem of the the, the consumer <laughs> trying to uh, trying to learn more about it? Um, did, I think I heard you say boredom. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, sports really are entertainment, you know, yeah. um, especially during a, a crazy time, crazy uncertain times like like this where. Sure. Most of us have been locked up in the house for months, um, and you know, like the NFL draft was one of the, the few sporting events we actually had, and it, it opened up many uh, eyes to the fact that wow, sports really plays a huge role in everyone's life, and mm -hmm. you know, it's the kind of thing that I I always knew because playing sports growing up, you know, taught me a, a lot of a lot about. Um, my ideals and, and, and my morals and, you know, what's right versus what's wrong and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, very intangible qualities that, that can't really be acquired through, through just any type of mean. Um, so, you know, uh, there, there are problems there that can be solved through, through sports. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I mean, I, I, I joke about the, the, the boredom aspect of it, but, Think, think about, you know, how many people's sanity can be saved by watching a basketball game or sure. a football game or bowling or, you know, like, like whatever. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an escape. And so I think that's, that's one of the, the main problems that, that can be solved is mm -hmm. you, you provide people with an outlet to have leisure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, impor it's important for, for mental health. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of the way that I view it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're onto something that um, 
like a, a, a general solution. If somebody tells you that they're bored, right. um, it would be to go find a hobby. Sure. And that is an, is a hobby for a lot of people playing right. sports or watching sports and following sports and being passionate about it, debating it with other people. So yeah, I think you're onto something, something that I, I really hadn't thought about. Um, even though I grew up with sports and I love basketball and football, um, especially back in the nineties. Um, that's, that's really interesting. So you've been in sports marketing for a while now and just, the sports arena being in in the business side of sports and, and sports entertainment what are some common traits among the su- successful professionals in that industry because sure. um something that that i've been told or i remember being told once was that um getting into sports at any level especially at the highest level with the nba the nfl the nhl um the mlb that is a very difficult thing to do because so many people want to do it because there are so many people passionate about it. So what are some of those common traits that you've seen among your peers? Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that there are some broad qualities that, that translate to, to, you know, different avenues and and different industries. Um, It's not enough to say that you love sports, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I know people in who have, been rejected for positions. I know, I know I've had uh, supervisors who have turned down candidates because the largest offering they could make in the interview process was, well, I've been a fan of this team my whole life. (laughs) It's, that's not enough. Like working in sports comes with a lot of sacrifice, you know, Mm -hmm. it it comes with, with a lot of late nights. It comes with, with a a lot of missed meals um, missed, uh, or, you know, friendships that are dropped. Um, it, it comes with, with a lot of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when I was in, in an intern in corporate partnerships for the Charlotte Hornets, mm-hmm. that was an unpaid internship, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was working like 75 hours a week at, at, <laughs> at least, you know, I, I had to work every home game. So 41 home games. And that yeah. was on, on top of, of, uh, you know, getting there at 8am for, for those for those days and, you know, stay until like 11 PM midnight. Um, you know, if, if, if it's like an overtime game, like, like you're there all night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had to, to blog on the side to, to make money to, to pay rent, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to have some, some, some financial help here and there along the way for my parents, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, very lucky because not a lot of people have those opportunities. Sure. Um, but working in sports is glorified and people have to understand the the reality of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm, I'm neither an optimist nor, nor, nor a pessimist. I'm, I'm a realist. I see things for as they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, some of the best advice I ever got, which kind of allowed me to continue my pursuit in sports is that if you work your ass off until you're 30, well, the amount of work that you'll have to do, from there will just progressively decline and get sure. it easier. You know, you'll, you'll get more recognition and, and, and uh, respect and power and money and so on and so forth. Um, but your like your actual amount of strenuous work will, will decline heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, you know, that's, that's, it's been true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember working in basketball operations for the Chicago sky and my job was to rebound the basketball and do laundry and fill Gatorade coolers. And, <laughs> you know, it was, all the glorified things that you think about, right? <laughs> of course, of course, man. You know, there's, there's nothing like, like doing laundry on a, on a Saturday afternoon. Um, that's funny. So, but, so, you know, so I, is that common trait that you're describing? I, I want to say grit, but I've heard that so often that it kind of sounds like sure. a cliche and I want to get away from it. But, um, um, dedication. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are some words to describe it. I I just refer to it as as the grind, man. Sure. Like, and it's the kind of thing that I I think it's really, it's, I I don't believe it's teachable. Um, mm-hmm. It's you, you either have it or you don't. You know, like it's 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 the kind of of intangible feeling where if you are aware, if you have self awareness that there's a problem that exists and you are aware of the solution that is required to fix that problem. Are you a self-starter? Do you, do you go fix that problem and take care of it? Are you, are you proactive or do you just 
wait for it, ignore it, let somebody else, you know, absorb the burden of, of solving that problem. Sure. Um, I've always been the kind of person that if I know what has to be done, I just get up off the, off my, my ass and go, and go do it. You know, sure. I don't, I don't wait for, for somebody else to, to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of people in sports and I think one of the most frustrating parts is that, you know, if you are somebody that has that grind and this is a huge part of, of leadership in general, you can't mm-hmm. expect other people to have that same kind of work ethic. Sure. You know, it's, it's a very, it's a very fast route toward, toward madness where, <laughs> you know, you're, you're looking at other people and saying, well, why don't you just do it this way? Yep. Well, because not, not everyone thinks the same. And you know, there are, there are multiple ways to skin a cat, but, I think if you look at other people, especially your coworkers, and, and expect them to have the same kind of work ethic as you, you're mm-hmm. going to drive yourself crazy. And so the, the kinds of qualities that, that you talk about, it's just, it's, it's, it's all the, the usual ones that, that you would hit on, you mm-hmm. know, the perseverance, the dedication, the grind, as, as I say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it also takes a level of, of creativity and, sure. and learning to adapt and being, you know, very thick skinned. Um, you know, fortunately, as a writer, I had a lot of practice in taking constructive criticism and, mm-hmm. you know, learning to, to bury my ego and having that, uh, that, that renewable self-esteem to where I wasn't losing confidence in, in myself because somebody said, you know, that this could be improved or, or they would do this differently. So I think learning to, to put your, your ego away is, is another one of those qualities where not many people can do it, but if you can, it'll help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think specifically what you're talking about that I love, cause I was about to ask you that question, but you just answered it for the creatives out there. Um, mm-hmm. The advice that you would give to them when they have their baby, they, they, they've been working on this mm-hmm. thing and then somebody tries to change it and they tell they're being told what's wrong with it and how it needs to be modified when they put so much effort into it. Mm. You're saying to get past that, to ensure that it doesn't derail you too much. You need to just be mindful of your ego and to ensure that you set it aside and and maybe look at it objectively. I think you should look at everything in an objective scope. Sure. You know, like it's okay to be subjective at times, um, especially if you're a creative and your job is mostly, so subjective work you know it, like side note but people think of the create the creative process as being linear and it's not mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a, it's a tough tall task to ask a creative to work within an eight to five window and just generate amazing content <laughs> you know talk to any freelance graphic designer and they'll you know they'll say that one of their biggest pet peeves is when somebody says just make it look dope <laughs> you know, that's not <laughs> That's not tangible. That that's not real. It's like there's, it's not realistic. There, there's not a button on your creative software that says dope and you just press it yeah. and poof. <laughs> All right. It's like it's it's that, that and that's the kind of joke that, that you know designers make. It's like, oh I, I just press the make it look sick graphic button. <laughs> that's funny. It's, so it's just the app on my phone. Yeah. But um, no, I mean I, I I was just gonna follow up. Like I yeah. think I think the advice that I would give creators is that I can guarantee you 1000%, you know, 10 times over that you're going to have a supervisor, a boss, somebody above you that is not creative. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're going to be in charge of making creative decisions. It's happened to me basically at every step of the way uh, until the draft network, actually. I've had a non-creative person, somebody who, who, you know, thinks quantitatively try creative decisions Mm -hmm. and, it doesn't work for, for the organization or the brand, um, but you need to stay objective and, and think about the picture. You know, people love to, to focus in on the details and, and the short term and when what's in front of their, their noses. But a lot of perspective can be gained by taking a step back, seeing the, the larger picture and looking down the timeline to realize, you know, what the ultimate goal is. Like, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? Like, that is in service of, of your ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the, the message that I would send to creatives, especially young creatives. Sure. Um, to double back on the, um, the what was it? Because um, we talked about the being dedicated. You said the grind. You described it right. as the grind. And you described what I would think would 
takes some of that passion away that people get into the sports industry with? Is that something that people need to prepare themselves if they're, if they're pursuing the sports industry, that some of that passion is going to be taken away by the relentless grind that you end up having to do? Well, so then that's where we come down to like the, the definitions, right? Like, mm-hmm. is, is it a passion or is it an obsession? Right. Okay. You know, if, if, if it's a passion, if, if it's a hobby, sure. You know, but yeah. the hard work, the grind, the 70, 80, 90 hours a week, you know, could, could detract from that, that love that you had for whatever that thing is, mm-hmm. you know, if it's football, if it's graphic design, if it's, if it's podcast, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, putting in that kind of, of effort can lessen the impact. Sure. But if it's an obsession, mm-hmm. you can't stop me. And that's, that's, that's what I've had since I was years old, eight yeah. years old, you know, and I, and I decided I wanted to be an NFL general manager. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I told myself that everything I did, and this, mind you, this is like 1999. I'm like, like seven years old and I'm seeing that like NFL draft. <laughs> and I, and I tell myself that that's what I want to be. Yep. Everything that I did from then on out, I told myself has to be in the service of becoming an NFL GM. You know, yeah. whether that was that was all the clubs and extracurriculars I did in high school, um, taking on two majors and you know, uh, eighteen credits a semester at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. uh, taking unpaid internships and eating stale, you know, week old bagels and black beans <laughs> to, I, you, you think I'm joking, man, but that, that's how I, how I survived in Chicago. And, okay. and I know you know, because we, we had a long conversation yep. um, on that flight, but like I legit, you know, the Chicago sky would order Einstein's bagels for the team <laughs> before each game. And, you know, the girls don't want to like carbo load that much. Sure. So they, the, the bagels would just be sitting there. And if I didn't take them home, they'd get thrown out. So mm-hmm. I legitimately would take home the, the Einstein's bagels and that's what I would eat for, for <laughs> a week. Uh, that and black beans. Yeah. And, uh, but like, it's, it's kind of thing. Like if, if it's an obsession, you can't stop and you mm-hmm. can't afford to stop because you don't know what you'll do with yourself. If you do, you know, I put myself into a lot of very tough, very hard, difficult, uh, situations. Mm-hmm where, you know, I had no friends around me. I had no family around me for, you know, thousands of, of miles. Um, and all I had was work in sports. Mm-hmm. And those things were one of the same for me, you know. So if it's an obsession, that problem doesn't exist. You yeah. know, again, if it's a hobby, sure. Uh, you, 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 but that passion might, might die down a, a little bit once you get into the rigors of, of it all. But yeah. Uh, that you're obsessed, is, man. You're obsessed. That is something that I'm going to think about and, and have in my back pocket to talk about um, whenever I'm talking to college students, since that's generally who I talk to, because I love that. I, I, don't, I don't think I've heard that before, that, that, dif- that difference between passion and obsession, um, because everybody, that seems like such a common word, the passion. I'm very passionate about this. That's why I want to do it. Right. But talking about obsession in that way is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy hearing and, uh, that. Right. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to talk about, but like my biggest hero growing up was, was Kobe Bryant, man. Sure. Um, and, and I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, since, since his death, I, like I, it's, it's rocked me, man. Like it's, I, it's been tough for me to really process. And I don't think I've really processed it, processed mm-hmm. it, but like, it's a kind of thing that that Mamba mentality, mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew because, like, I wasn't 6'6", 250 pounds. Like, I, I wasn't going to be in the, in the NBA, right? Sure. Like, again, I'm, I'm a realist. <laughs> um, but Kobe was one of the few people who inspired me. Mm-hmm. And I told myself that I wanted to take that mama mentality and translate it into whatever field I, I was in. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was school, um, you know, after school programs, whatever. I wanted to take that, that, that obsession with me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember my junior year of college, I'm, you know, hosting shows on ESPN radio. I'm uh, anchoring the sports segment for the local news channel. I'm an, like a, a, an associate producer and I'm putting together packages. I've got 18 credits per semester teaching myself how to use Photoshop in Adobe Illustrator at two o'clock in the morning in, <laughs> in the newsroom on campus. Um, I, I helped create like a, uh, a sports update team that, that would play, you know, 
60 second sports updates for that, that local news channel round the clock mm-hmm. um, and managed, you know, a team of my own peers that were, you know, some were my age, if not older. Um, but like that Mamba mentality is what drove that for me, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted to throw myself into that, that obsession and just find my identity in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be da- like it, it can be dangerous, especially sure. when, you know when you start to get a family and, and, and have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need to pivot um, because your priorities change, right? Yep. And so that's why my my NFL GM dream has been molded and shifted a little bit as, <laughs> as you know my my family's gotten started. But but that that obsession, you know that that thing can never die. And the Mamba mentality, you know, is it built me like. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a part of me. And that's why, you know, Kobe dying was such a, a huge thing is I felt like a, like a part of me died, you know, he, yep. he, he taught me work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I kind of contradict myself there with, you know, some things you just can't teach you sure. know, with like the grind and everything. But like, I, I think, you know, in those impressionable years that, mm-hmm. that that's probably, you know, the only time where that kind of stuff can be passed on. Yeah. And, and, and I think that what you're talking about uh, with that is bringing it out of you. I don't, I, I think right. there are some people that go through life and you have different, and that's probably a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have different um, times where you're put through the crucible to, to see what you're actually made of. And then you come out of that with certain attributes right. that you just naturally have. And I think that's what you're describing. Um, right we could probably have an entire podcast about Kobe Bryant too, because I didn't think I was going to be hit by that at all or that much, but man, it it, it did hit me too, because that was, that was the figure for my generation Mm -hmm. that I was growing up with. Yeah. I I grew up in the nineties and watch Jordan as he Mm -hmm. ensured that my Indiana Pacers would never win a title. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) he was my Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, yeah. I, 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 I won't talk about it anymore because we'll just keep on going on that topic. But yeah. um, thank you for those insights. But I want to switch over to that social media part. And, sure. and I think I, uh, or before that, I want to set up the question. So my question for you is that for both individual professionals and also for companies, what is key to being successful in social media? And, and while you um, bring up your um, thoughts on, on, on that answer, um, I, I want to propose maybe what a part of an answer would be. And I think I might've told you this on our, on our flight that, um, um, I, I, I was at a national conference in January and I had the opportunity to meet, um, a a Miss universe that served in the army because it was a, it was a military, it was, um, a national conference for the student veterans of America. And, um, she was Miss America. Um, and I got to shake her hand and then I posted, the picture on LinkedIn and she actually shared it. So I got a ton of traction from that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in February I was at a student, um, um, organization, um, conference and I got right. to speak at that. And then at some point I got the pictures back from the people that were taking the professional photos at the event. And I decided to share that. Um, this is, aside from all of the posts and the articles that I, that I intentionally put up to try and help students to try and help people on LinkedIn to be better leaders and better professionals. This was just something that I uh, happened to put out. Cause I was like, you know what, I'm feeling this and let me put it out there. And all it said was here are some pictures from a couple weeks ago from me talking to students at Alpha Kappa Psi, which is a code professional business attorney that mm-hmm. I was a part of. And I still participate in and um, it, 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 re- or it reminded me of why I love talking to students because they give me so much energy and they're so hungry. Right. That was it. That was the post that got 10 times as much traction as Miss America, who has a bigger following than me, re re sharing mine and saying, thanks, Chris. It was great meeting you. And what I learned from that was it seems to me at least that authenticity is so um, noticeable, like people can see it and people can see when it's your posts are not authentic. Is that a part of being successful in social media? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if anyone can ever be successful in, in social media, right? Okay. Like I think, I think people say that, you know, if, if, it, if you get the kind of traction that you're talking about with that post, it, it's easy to, to have the, um, the 
image or or portrayal of success but to me social media man is just it's just keeping up with with your brand and like uh and an, an outlet for your brand which I, I know we'll get to in a minute but mm-hmm. um I, I i do think you're onto something with with the being authentic um okay. what i what i attribute it though to is you know storytelling is just it's such a natural pillar of of the the human nature and and, and mankind in general mm-hmm. um, and people love to connect with other people and you know people like it's 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 thrown around a lot about how we've lost that human connection into it, and we have to a point but people still identify with those core values um, through social media and if you're able to be authentic in, in your messaging mm-hmm. um, it definitely pulls on, on the heartstrings and and strikes chord sure um but in terms of being successful on social media it, it depends on how you define success you know sure. like if, if you want to say that 1.2 million followers is, is successful sure but like mm-hmm. what, what i think like that 12 year old singing cowboy kid or mason ramsey or whatever his name is yep, got yep, like yep. like a, a million followers like overnight <laughs> so um I, I don't know. I, I, I think the, the word successful is a bit strong. Um, trending probably is, is, is a little more uh, accurate. Like you're, you're either trending upward or, mm-hmm. or, or not. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe well, I, I could phrase the question different, uh, being successful in whatever their goal is. So right. I, I know that there are some people that, especially Objective entrepreneurs, goals. yeah, the, the, especially entrepreneurs that understand that they're going to get maybe a thousand um, followers from something and a hundred of sure. those are actually going to interact with them. And then 10 of those mm-hmm. are going to buy whatever product or service they're selling. That's success right. for them. Whereas right. somebody that is a, a major brand that has a social media handle is really just looking for those likes, those retweets and those engagement, that engagement. Right. Um, so maybe successful for whatever their objective goal is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have objective goals and, and targets for your social media presence in terms of, engagement rates and, and followers and mm-hmm. um, click through rates and things like that. Sure. You know, you, you can, you can physically define success in terms of like those objective goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it comes back to, you know, who your target audience is too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you might have, you know, 2000 followers, but you know, if, if you can get a hundred people to, to retweet most two, most 2000 followers. Sure. Is that, is that is that enough for you? Like, like, is that is that successful? Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you you can find success in those objective goals, but I don't think there's any way to really like win social media or break the internet, as people like love to say. Like, <laughs> sure. like it's it's impossible to to win Twitter. And mm-hmm. I see people comment <laughs> and quote tweet all the time, just like stop it, man. It's, <laughs> you can't you can't win Twitter, you know. And every like I remember when I was at the university of Miami, um, it was when Adam Schefter was trying to chug the cup of water. Right. Okay. And I, I used the tweet video function from, from someone who had posted the, the original video. Mm-hmm. And I just said, when someone says the Uber's here, cool. And, <laughs> and it just shows Schefter like struggling mightily to just chug water. <laughs> and, and, you know, it got, I think like, a thousand retweets and, yeah. and I don't know, some like, like 3000 likes or whatever. <laughs> and, and like, it's like, it, it makes you feel sure. good to, to see people like retweet and stuff like that and comment yeah. like, Oh, oh why is this so true? Oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when you really think about it, like that, that's temporary. Um, mm-hmm. And so it really comes down to like, did, did you strike a chord or not? You know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, me personally, I, I wouldn't define those types of things as being successful. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with your point about having objective goals on social media um, mm-hmm. in terms of like analytics and quantitative data. But sure. um, social media is just, to me, it's just they're, they're mediums and platforms of, of expression and communicating to your target audience the, the messaging of your brand. Mm-hmm. And so... That is a great segue to the next one, but I do want to take a quick second to um, ask a question. So a couple episodes ago, I was a, um, able to interview Eric Jackman. He is the um, social media specialist that is in charge of the ESPN MMA 
social media mm -hmm. handles and the ESPN ringside um, sure. social media hand handles. And I asked him because he, he started talking about data a little bit. And I asked how important it was to be able to understand data and analyze that data. Um, and, and I think I, I, I expounded on that question a little bit, but his answer was that, yes, it is helpful, but it's not necessary to be good at what you do in social media. The more important thing is knowing your audience, because if you know your audience, then that data, yes, it's helpful and you should understand what's getting certain hits and making sure that you're maybe hitting the metrics that uh, your, your organization wants or needs, but knowing your audience at its core is much more important. Is, is, is that how you look at it for um, the draft network? Yeah, that's, that's pretty similar. Um, I, I might've changed up the diction here and there, but that's, that's, that's pretty close. I think the analytics on social, I mean, they definitely help provide direction. They definitely mm -hmm. help tweak tactics and, and, and strategy. Sure. Um, but it's far more important. And it, you know, it, it, it boils down to, you know, the tangible versus the intangible, you know, sure. like, and whether or not you weigh one heavier than the other is, is up to you. Um, I, I probably lean closer to what he's talking about, where if, if you can communicate that message and with, with your target audience and develop that relationship, that connection, uh, to me, that's a greater service to your brand than anything else. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. yeah, I, I'd say for the most part, I, I would agree with, with, with that assessment. Yeah. Hmm. And th thanks for laying up the uh, the segue again for me. So I'll take it this time. Um, <laughs> so what is personal branding to you? Because I'm not going to, I can't lie, uh, whenever I first heard it and every now and again, whenever I hear about branding and, and having your personal brand, I, my eyes roll a little bit, even if it's only internally, because my knee jerk reaction to personal branding and um that is my dog drinking water in the background um, but my my knee-jerk reaction is that uh, having to craft a brand seems a bit inauthentic to me like uh, it it seems like it should be something that is natural um so what do you say to somebody that feels that way it, it depends man i mean first off let's let's define what a brand is sure. because you know it's Again, I, I think I compared it to you in our first conversation as to a teenager saying the words, I love you, right? Yeah. Like teenagers don't really know what love is or they, they, they might think they do. Mm -hmm. And they have like, like their own concocted definition for it. But it's, it's not really accurate, right? And so mm -hmm. that happens with the word brand where people toss it around carelessly Mm -hmm. without really knowing what it means. And it, it ties back to a point I made earlier about like having bosses and supervisors that aren't creative, mm -hmm. you know, and like how you, like how you deal with that. Like, let's get it straight. A brand is not a set of fonts. A brand mm -hmm. is not a color palette. It's not graphic elements, right? It's not putting the, the logo in a certain place or making it bigger or, mm -hmm. or, you know, any any of that like it's a brand is how you are viewed in the public forum by your target audience right mm -hmm. it's it's do they see you the way you see yourself right? mm -hmm. and it's a, it's an issue that i've noticed at many places i've noticed it at notre dame i've noticed it at, at oregon state i've noticed it at miami you know people like to force this this false definition of, of what a brand is mm -hmm. and it's, like it's just a tagline or something right like it's not it's not tangible it's mm -hmm. not tangible now you can have brand assets right like like a like a, a logo or a secondary logo or, or graphic mm -hmm. elements those are brand assets but those are not your brand mm -hmm. right your brand is how you are seen in in the public space by the people that you are trying to communicate with and develop that relationship Right. Mm -hmm. That is what a brand is, is how, how is your story interpreted by the people with whom you're trying to connect? Right. Mm -hmm. That's a brand. And so that's why I say you can't really win social media because mm -hmm. it never stops. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't really be successful on social. You can be trending in, in a positive direction. Like, like you, you can make you know positive strides, but you mm -hmm. can't really ever be, 
tr- like truly successful because it's 24 seven, 365, man. Mm-hmm. And so, so it, it's, it's frustrating for me because yeah, like people, again, they try to do things that, that, that hurt the brand thinking that they're in favor of the brand and it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, especially when you're invested, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the university of Miami football team was like, they built their brand on being disruptors. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're not going to cater the brand toward the, the young men from, from Pompano beach or, or Carroll city or, or, you know, Miami or Fort Lauderdale, like, then you're not being true to the brand. Sure. You know, if, if, if you're, if you're Oregon state and you want to be flashy, right. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who's the definition of, of flashy, your direct rival, you know, 30 minutes away in, in Eugene <laughs> or ducks. Right. Sure. So like just you, you are true to the brand and develop a brand by like knowing how you're viewed by the public. And then like just being like, being in service of that. Right. And sure. you, know, you, you talked about like, like building a brand from scratch. I think you said, and like how having it be inauthentic. Mm-hmm. I think the only way, like if you, if you have a situation where, you know, you're going to start a company or, 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 or join a company like the draft network where it's young, right. Where it's not necessarily the Mercedes of the world or, sure. or, or the Starbucks of the world. Right. Um, you, you build that brand by, trial and error and by you know knowing who your audience is mm-hmm. you know and our audience is comprised of nfl draft nerds like myself and people <laughs> who love the nfl and football and talent evaluation and so you know we've we've built a nice foundation for a brand based off the this macro campaign of being football's 33rd front office but that mm-hmm. came because the people who came together you know, like we, we feel like our ability to identify and, and evaluate talent and, and, you know, in the, the football realm is on par with that of an NFL franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Krabs, who is one of the hardest workers I know, and he's not our director of scouting. And, you know, he's one of those guys that you, know, you say you, you either have the grind or, or you don't. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he doesn't miss a lot, man. Like it's, it's like that, it's like that SpongeBob meme, you know, he don't miss. He, he's the kind of guy that, well, while many had Eddie Jackson as a sixth round value, you know, he had him as a second round value. And now mm-hmm. Eddie just got a fat new contract with the Chicago bears sure. and he's looking like, like an all pro for, you know, that can be sustained too. So, I mean, it's just, you, you, you have to, kind of steer in, in, into the, the, the skid a little bit mm-hmm. um, and not and not force things when they don't need to be forced, you know, like, yeah. and I also think a, a part of that, not, not to ramble on, but I think part of that is just repetition, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at Starbucks, man, 15, 20, 25 years ago, that, that logo didn't mean as much. Yep. Right? Yep. You know, and they were mostly a West Coast company throughout the nineties until they started buying up like Barney stores on, on the East coast or, you mm-hmm. know, like whatever that, that approach was. And uh, they started to make their way toward the East coast. Like they, they weren't this conglomerate that they're viewed as now where there's like, Oh, a Starbucks on every corner, you yep. know, and, and Starbucks coffee is the best. Like I, you, the brand is built through repetition. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I think people stress the design of logos way too much too. Now. Mm-hmm. So like, you, yeah. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm what I'm kind of gathering is that the 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 success, or maybe um, I won't use that word, but um, if you're doing branding correctly, then you're telling a a story, and you're mm-hmm. doing it well that connects with your target audience, and the right. actions of the organization are in line and aligned with that story. Right. Like per- perfect example, right? I, I know Dabo Sweeney has gotten some heat recently, uh, mm-hmm. but the reason why Clemson football has recruited at such a high level these past few years and won two national championships in the process is because Clemson provides content about their student athletes 
and for their student athletes. Mm -hmm. And very often the content's created by their, their student athletes, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the student athletes are, are what fuel Clemson. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason why they got Trevor Lawrence to, to go to Clemson. It's the reason why they got uh, DeMarcus Bowman or, you know, Justin Ross or T Higgins, whatever. It's because they are playing into their target audience, which mm -hmm. is the student athletes, right? The, Clemson makes content for Clemson by Clemson. And they don't care if anybody outside of that Clemson realm likes it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't really matter if, if Miami fans like it or if Georgia tech fans like it or whatever, you know, as long as Clemson fans and, and more importantly, the Clemson student athletes like it, mm -hmm. that's all that matters. Now, there are ripple effects that come off of that, right? Like if, if, if the Clemson uh, fan base and, and the student athletes love the content, now there's a lot of group think that happens and, and that sure. there are positive ripple effects that come off of that. And now people are like, oh, Clemson has the best social media team in the business and the best creative team. Yeah, that's because they, they <laughs> are true to their brand. Like sure. they, they make content for Clemson and for Clemson student athletes, right? Now, if, if more programs or organizations, teams, companies, whatever did that, I think they'd find similar success. Yeah. Hmm. This, this conversation reminds me of our conversation on the flight and it's just better now <laughs> yeah. because I have it recorded and I can go back to it <laughs> to get yeah. all those little nuggets and I don't have to try to remember what we talked about. Um, this, this was fantastic. And I, and I thank you for giving these insights because I think these are, these are things that we talk about a lot, but, to get a deep dive from somebody that's actually doing it and not somebody that maybe is reading definitions and strategies from a textbook and, um, and going off of something that they found online about um, social media strategies or, or branding for today or something like that. Like that, this is important. This type of conversation is important for people to understand um, as well as the whole sports entertainment side and sports industry, because I know there are a lot of people that are interested in that. So thank you for all those um, sure. insights. Is there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners today? You know, mostly I've, I've had a lot of kids re reach out to me um, lately about whether it's an internship with the draft network or looking for advice or whatever. And, you know, I keep thinking back to, to that part of our, of our initial conversation where we talked about a college degree, right? Mm -hmm. And what it actually means. And we live in a different world today than our parents and our grandparents did. And yep. a college degree does not, does not mean the same thing, right? And mm -hmm. the example that I, that I use is it's like paying cover at, at a club. You know, yeah. you, you pay the cover to get in, but paying that $5, 10 $15, or whatever it is, is not going to help you meet people. It's yep. not going to help you shake hands. It's not going to, it's definitely not going to find you somebody to, to dance with in the club. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's the same way with a college degree, yep. a, a college degree, whether you have one, two or three or advanced degrees or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's expected of you. It's, um, it's mundane now, wow. you know, and that's why I like, uh, Rhonda Curry, who's the director of human resources for the Charlotte Hornets, you know, a valuable lesson she taught me in resume building was to put my education at the very bottom because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. and the only time that it really matters is if you have a strong, a, a strong, excuse me, base of alumni where you can network freely and fluidly sure. and, you know, make those connections. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, my first job was given to me by a Gator grant. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's part of the, the beauty of going to the university of Florida. I've gotten the chance to meet and connect with a lot of Gator grads. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it's up to you to be a self-starter and to have that grind and that, you know, that, that internal motivation, that internal clock, that internal, you know, drive, just go make stuff happen. Go meet mm -hmm. people, shake hands send random phone calls or, you know, cold, 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 cold emails, cold DMs, whatever. Mm -hmm. And just ask for advice, ask for perspective. Um, don't like, I've never had anybody in my professional career ask me what my GPA was or ask me what <laughs> I got, you know, in, in business finance when I was at UF or, or yep. whatever, because it doesn't matter. Yep. It does not matter. 
you know, unless you're going to go into in, in, in a, a more objective field like mathematics or, or sure. chemistry, you know, like, like if you want to be a doctor, then that's a different story. But like, mm-hmm. if you want to be in the sports realm and marketing, corporate partnerships, uh, creative, you know, video produ- production, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just, just go network. Network <laughs> is the most important thing you can do to progress your career. And yeah, I, I, I will stand by that for the rest of my life, man. If people do want to contact you and DM you, how can they do that? Sure. Well, it's a few ways. Um, <laughs> at Robert Juden, R-O-B-E-D-J-U-D-I is my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm on, on LinkedIn, um, always happy to connect, talk, shop, and share any advice I can. Mm-hmm. Um, always looking to, to network with, you know, folks like yourself and, and learn right like absolutely i i, I just did this all for learn and hear people's stories and, and backgrounds and um i, I would say if you want to you know reach out to me you can do so through twitter or, or through linkedin and i'd be happy to have a conversation yep. I, 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 I got to uh, brag to my wife um about um um, what you do for a living and then mm-hmm. that i had the ability to impress you with my business card marketing Oh, I love your I love your card, man. It's awesome. <laughs> as, as as soon as I as I landed in Indianapolis, I was like talking to my coworkers, like this guy had the best business card. Like <laughs> it, it was it was just a dot, right? Like, yep, yep. On both sides. Oh, that's awesome. So, but what was the, the 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 story behind it again? You wanted to like leave your mark or something like that? No, um, it was so so. It's just a regular business card, and um, yeah. it just has my name and then my email address and my phone number at the bottom left corner. But mm-hmm. everything else is just blue, and then there are two dots, one on one side and one on the other. And it's because um, what I've learned through helping college students become better leaders and better professionals is that really I'm just in the business of connecting dots. That's what it was. I yeah. God, the, and and that's what it is too. You know, it, it ties back to branding is the storytelling aspect, right? Like it's, it, it, if you look at it on the surface level, you know, you, you might question it, but once you hear the explanation behind it and the story behind it, it was so awesome. Yeah, I was. So I was so. Awesome. I was so proud of myself telling my wife. <laughs> I, I um, I wouldn't have to use that because I, I, I think I told you, but uh, I actually just, uh, just created a class at the University of Florida that I'm going to be teaching. Ooh. called sports branding um and, you know i'm very you know fortunate that uf has given me the chance to, to teach it online um, yeah but that's got that's got to be you know one of the the, the lessons that I, that I teach them it's just that's great things as simple as that are so powerful yep it, it's memorable so i like to end all of my interviews with some offbeat questions to try and give the audience a little bit taste of um your personality and they're very quick one-off questions are you ready for that all right. yeah all right are you a morning person or a night owl I'm a morning person. Coffee or tea? Sometimes a night owl too. Uh, <laughs> coffee, coffee for sure. Black coffee. Uh, what is your favorite unway to your favorite way to unwind? Watching football. That's not a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> um, summer heat or winter cold? Winter cold by far. Uh, what are your top five favorite college football programs? And we'll just go ahead and exclude both of our alma maters, University of Florida and Purdue, because obviously they're top one, top two. <laughs> top five college programs in terms of football? Yes. I would say that's a tough question. Um, I'll say Clemson. Mm-hmm. Washington, mm-hmm. Oregon, yeah. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and let's go with USC. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite NFL team, um, player, coach, or era? And for example, like a lot of people – Love the 85 uh, Chicago Bears. What is your favorite NFL team, player, coach, or era? I mean, my, my favorite NFL team is the New York Giants. Sure. Um, my favorite NFL player was, was, was Ray Lewis. Okay. Who ironically beat up on the Giants in, in the <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah. And my, my favorite era of football 
probably has to be in the early 2000s just because that's, that's what I grew up in. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, in the upcoming final or the upcoming fantasy draft that I have with my buddies in a couple months, who are two sleepers that I should pick up early? Two sleepers in your fantasy draft. Uh, any position? Yep, any position. That's a really good question. I'm going to say... Hmm. I think CD Lamb's going to have have a great year. Okay. Um, I think I think people I'll, I'll consider him a sleeper just because I think people will focus on Michael Gallup and uh, Amari Cooper more. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes sense. And also and also the uncertainty surrounding Dak Prescott. But I think I think having Zeke in the backfield um, is going to open up some opportunities for for, for CD Lamb. Um, mm-hmm. And excuse me, the, the the second one would be I'm gonna go J.K. Dobbins. Okay. I think you know him being in that Baltimore offense. Uh, I know they drafted Justice Hill last year out of Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and, and they have Mark Ingram still. But I think they drafted Dobbins as a luxury pick because they know that Ingram's time with Baltimore is kind of going to end soon. And they're not sure. really sure what they have with Hill, but anytime that you have Lamar Jackson in the field, it's going to open up opportunities for other people, yeah. uh, especially in that offense where they can run the ball, like in a, in a power scheme like that very, very efficiently and effectively. Hmm. So yeah. I'm going to say, especially because Dobbins is a pretty solid pass catcher out of, out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll get a lot of opportunities in Baltimore. Huh. Okay. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll see if I'll edit this out so that my, uh, my buddies don't listen to it and uh, <laughs> take my early <laughs> picks. Um, what is the best bagel you've ever had? Chicago Bagel Authority, man. It's, <laughs> it, is, it is unmatched. There, there is a sandwich they have there called the Swanson, and it's built off of Ron Swanson. Oh, that's great. Parks, from Parks and Recreation. It's got like four different kinds of meat, egg, cheese, <laughs> uh, and they, they give you a, a little tub filled with syrup that you can just lather. In, oh, in. man. So, it it is a heart attack on on a bagel, and it's absolutely freaking delicious. That is hilarious. Um, in your heyday, what was your favorite Mario Kart track, and who would you choose? Wario Stadium by far, mm-hmm. and Yoshi every single time. <laughs> and I and I'm also I don't know if I don't know if you knew this about me, Chris, but I'm also the number one Mario Kart player in the entire world. Oh wow! Yep. That did they come yeah. with the certificate? Self appointed. Yep. Self-appointed, <laughs> number one ranked Mario Kart player in the world in history. Nobody's challenged you for it, so they, nobody can say otherwise, right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like 507. <laughs> uh, favorite place to go out for food in Nevada? There is a sushi place that my wife and I love um, by the UNL, the UNLV campus. Um, it's one of those deals where, where you pay like 25 bucks and you eat as much sushi as you want. But mm. yeah, they have some of the most like outlandish off the wall types of combos that are just delicious. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Two more questions. Um, sure. and then we'll get you out of here. Um, what is a place that you would want to visit before you kick the bucket? I want to go to, um, the hills of, of Ireland and mm. drink whiskey and just like like stare off into into the ocean. <laughs> Is that because you're are you Irish? I'm part Irish. I'm I'm okay. I'm Irish Italian and also part Latvian. But I uh, <laughs> we, we, I mentioned Ron Swanson before and seeing him <laughs> yep. in one of the Parks and Rec episodes drink Lagavulin from 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 Scotland uh, in, in the hills of Scotland just. That that's what I want. <laughs> just looking off in the distance. <laughs> yeah, just 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 over, over in Ireland instead. <laughs> so I think I know what the answer to this last question is going to be. But barring any job that you've had in your lifetime, what would your dream job be if you could choose? General manager of the New York Giants. Uh, I knew it. That's exactly what I had written down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Um, I I sincerely enjoyed it the same way that I enjoyed our conversation on the plane, and I really appreciated your insight. For sure, man. I was was happy to join. Really uh, appreciate you having me on. I hope 
you and your family are, uh, are staying safe right now. Yep. Same, same, exact same to you, man. So what do you guys think? Do you agree with the points that we made or mostly Rob? He was making most of the points. Do you agree with what Rob was saying? I personally think it was a great interview and um, I love speaking to him and I love speaking to him whenever we first met on that, uh, that plane ride. And uh, this podcast was the exact same. So if you're curious or you think you want to ask Rob a few questions that you had while you were listening, feel free to reach out to him and send him a message on LinkedIn or send him an email. Um, and if you're interested in more content about being a better professional or a better leader, you can head over to chris-molina.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-M-O-L-I-N-A.com. You can scroll to the bottom of any of the tabs and you can click on I want free leadership comment content sent straight to my inbox. And that will sign you up for my email list where I send out uh, leadership and professional development content on a regular basis. And if it's if it's not your cup of tea, you can always unsubscribe and I won't send you any, any spam or anything. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn and you'll be able to access all of the articles that I write on there. Just uh, look for Christopher Molina and uh, you, you should be able to find me. And if you're interested in reading my first book that is titled I'm in a Leadership Role, Now What? You can find it anywhere books are sold. Most people find it on Amazon, but you can find it at Barnes & Nobles or even at your local library or bookstores. Um, all you have to do is ask them that uh, about the book and give them the information, the title and the author. And you can do that with pretty much any book. So if you prefer giving your business to local bookstores or your local library, you can also do that. And lastly, I want to just ask you one favor. favor. If you have a few minutes, I would love to hear your feedback feedback so if you can leave a review about this podcast on whatever um, platform you're listening through this right now um, or if you if you prefer you can also send me an email and my email address is chris at chris-molene.com however you get me the the review of the feedback i would love to hear it and also if you have read my book i would also love to hear your feedback and your reviews about that so until next time remember that it's never too early or too late to start your leadership journey or to start investing in yourself through professional development. Have a great day.